Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton and Austin Price. I'm Brett Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. As uh, Tennessee, uh, from the football standpoint, a big week. Um, on the practice field, getting a lot done for bowl preparations. We'll get to that in a little bit. But obviously, um, with signing day going smoothly for Tennessee, we've talked a lot about it, guys, with you know the recaps and stuff that we've done. But you know, you get another day away from it, chance to decompress a little bit. What's your biggest takeaway fr from the assembly of this class? Not necessarily who they got on signing day or how signing day went, but when you think about kind of the broad spectrum of the assembly of your of this class, what's the overriding takeaway that you have? For me, I, you know, and it's something Jesse talked about when we did the the, the TV show after uh, after everything wrapped up on on Wednesday was. You know, just the, in, the, the kind of the change in philosophy. A year ago, you know, they went with very little in-state kids, and this year, they they kind of flipped the script and went in-state heavy. And you know, ten of your twenty-one are are from the state of Tennessee, and you know, it's uh, just a change in philosophy. And I'm not saying that they, you know, didn't feel this way a year ago, but I think that they, you know, looked around and you know liked what they saw a lot more in twenty than they ever did in nineteen. Um, you know, and it changed how they kind of approach things. That's what I was going to say. Was this a change in philosophy or just a change in talent level? They liked the twenty, the, the, the 2020 talent level in state better than they liked the 2019 talent level. A little bit of both, but I do think that going forward that it will be more of a, more, this will be more the rule than the exception. I think last year is going to be more the exception. I think you're going to, you know, they may not sign 10 every year. Right. But I do think that they're going to, you know, try to sign a, a good core group of in-state kids almost every year. And they still bet on their evaluations. I mean, that's probably what's most interesting about this. The number one they really did not have much interest in the number one player in the state. Yep. I mean, despite my snafus on message boards, they are not interested. They in are not Grimes. going after, unless something changes. I mean, Grimes obviously did not sign. You know, it, is that a similar deal to what's happening here, you know, with a guy like Kyrie Miller, or, or is he honestly looking around uh, we'll see, but I don't see Tennessee really kicking the tires there. But Tennessee then did go after, and and you know we the three of us all felt that they had to. This this is a class, a unique group in terms of just the amount of big bodies in this state this year, uh, offensive line and defensive line. And Tennessee um, did not land them all. Big bodies at linebacker too. They yeah, but they landed a bunch of them, and they're still in in the mix for one of the biggest fish that's still out there in Jay Hardy. You know, as of this taping. Uh, so, but again, they bet on their evaluations. I mean, Dallas Walker's going to Texas A&M. You know, Tennessee could have had Dallas Walker back in February, back in March, decided not to, pivoted elsewhere. Could have had Chris Morris, and they, they like Chris Morris, the player, you know, I, but I do think that some of the, you know, kind of ball patrol and all that off the, off the field and stuff maybe just didn't mesh well with. But you land Big O, you had to get that yep. one. Yeah. You, 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 let, you, get, you, you repair the relationship with the Mays family. You make Cooper a priority. You get Cooper. You get Tyler Barron. Keyshawn was one you had to have. Uh, and then again, you bet on your evaluations where six months ago they had no interest in Tamaria McDonald and Martavis French, and three months later suddenly they become priorities, and a month after that you land them. Well, and that was, that was the question I was going to ask, too. When you talk about philosophy, I think one of the – to me, one of the changes in philosophy that we've seen with this staff, and I don't know that you can say just in state, but it's magnified in state, 
a year ago, they made early decisions on kids in 2019, particularly in state, and said, we're done. We're not going to recruit you. We're, we're moving on elsewhere. Early on in this class, they weren't in love with all three guys from Whitehaven. You know, and at one point, they weren't going to take any of those guys. But the philosophy shift of David Johnson and, and the philosophy shift that they had within the, within the state to keep, to keep relationships with people to, to where you have a chance to go get them. Whereas a year ago when they tried to go back in on Joseph Anderson, they didn't have a chance because they hadn't, they hadn't done anything to keep it warm. You know, they hadn't done anything to kind of continue to recruit him. But they did this year. To me, that's the big, one of the biggest philosophical changes that we've seen from this program under Jeremy Pruitt from last year's recruiting cycle to this year's recruiting cycle. Well, you can't pee down your leg, clean it up, and then act like you didn't just pee down your leg. I mean, that's what they did a year ago. That's pretty good. I, 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 I had to think on that one for a minute. But you're, but, but, but you're right. I mean, that's, you know, they told people you weren't good enough, Austin, yeah. and then they come back to you. And, and they said, well, we think you're good we enough. We think you're good enough. And Joseph Anderson's like, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. I wasn't good enough. You know, and so they couldn't flip that one late. But this year, they did a, they've done a better job managing the relationships this year, I think. Yes. and Well, and I think Jeremy, from a head coaching standpoint, realized – People like the bluntness, but let's temper the bluntness. Like, you know, it's okay to give them a, a real evaluation and be honest and say, this is what I think about your game. This is where you've got to get better in these areas. But, you know, you don't have to be so, you know, I guess Jeremy lived to l- learned to live in the gray a little more this year when it comes to, you know, not being so black and white on – yeah, because let's face it, it's, yeah, like, he's not uh, yeah. at Alabama anymore. Yeah, I mean, well, and, I mean, a year, and, ago, and a year you ago, can't be that selective. And a year ago, I think that he recruited as if he was, and I think this year, you know. But I'll say this: a lot of that Memphis and, and you know, playing the game and and, and continuing was to recruit Johnson? was they all David Johnson, and that was all David just being David. That's just who he is. He's a he's a good, down to earth guy who who just loves being around kids. And, and even when since he wasn't going to take Tamarion McDonald or Jabari Small, he continued to recruit those guys because you never say never in recruiting. When he's got Tennessee, he's got you know his talents and some guys that Tennessee may end up going after in, in February. Yeah, and and they're Louisiana kids that are you know just yeah correct like you know like Corey Wren's a perfect example of that because Jonathan he's not Horton. signed. He can run Horton. Um, you know Tennessee wants to try to continue to add team speed. Uh, you know, and they want to, you know, they want to try to find a corner. They want to try to, you know, I mean, I think some people on the staff would love to add another offensive lineman, but because of Reginald Perry's versatility, you know, and he's going to start on the defensive line, but, you know, as you've talked about, Jesse, he probably projects on the offensive line at some point down the road. You know, because of the versatility there, it does change some things as far as, like, changes how you, how you, how you work the numbers. It, it is, it, it's kind of fascinating where David Johnson has probably his lack of Power Five experience probably helped, helped him, him this year with those relationships because and by the way I, I would throw Trey Amos in there as another guy Louisiana he's, he's yeah. got his talent you know he's got his claws in potentially for February if they want to go that direction but when you're at a non-Power Five traditional power school not SEC school you're not necessarily taking everybody else's scraps. But you're also, you're kind of hanging around in case, like, like if you're recruiting Louisiana from Memphis, you're hanging around in there in case A&M and LSU doesn't have room for a guy. Yeah. Okay? 
and you're banking on you trying to have a better relationship that you can swoop in and get a good player who got caught up in the squeeze. If you don't continue to recruit that guy, you have no chance. So in some ways, his lack of Power 5 experience probably, and, and relying on his previous experiences, Austin, may have helped him with the Whitehaven kids and some of these other kids keeping well, and, and him warm. Now that, and now that he's had success, because again, remember, this is just his second year at the Power 5 level. I mean, now that he's had a little bit of success, he's going to think, okay, now this is how I recruit. I mean, you know, I'm not going to ad- ad- change how I recruit. I'm going to continue to be me. I'm going to continue just to love on kids, which is, I mean, like, he's an old high school coach, kind of rose the coaching ranks and so on and so forth. And just he, he just relates well, not to the, just kids, but to families, to grandparents. I mean, he's a guy that they, everybody likes. And he, and he keeps grinding. He's a guy who, it's, you know, and I'm not knocking other guys on the staff. I'm saying this is one of his strengths. Jesse, he makes the call every week. He doesn't skip. He doesn't skip. If he's supposed to call on Tuesday night, he's calling on Tuesday night. If he needs to send the DM every Wednesday morning, he doesn't. He doesn't miss a beat with that, which is giving him longevity in this class to, to be able to, to get guys at the end because he's rose with them the whole way. Whether it's a guy that this maybe Tennessee wasn't in love with from the get go, or a guy they were in love with with the get go, like Omari Thomas. I was, but this class looks totally different if David Johnson isn't as dogged in his approach as he was for the last six, eight months. It does. It just, it, it just, you know, you know, last year Niedermeyer got a lot of credit and deservedly so. This year, you know, if Tennessee had a recruiting award, it, it would go to David Johnson. And everybody on the staff would tell you that. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, David Johnson's gotten a, a ton of praise from the guys around him that, that you know, you know, are, are the coaches on this team. And it, in reality, he's he's proven this year that he's a great. I, I quote the baseball. He's a great starting pitcher. You know, I mean, he's going to have to learn over time to be a closer. But he's he 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 got in there and he kept Tennessee in the game as a starting pitcher. Eat the and, innings. And, and then and then you know, DA comes in late with a guy like Omari Thomas and helps close the deal. And, and he was big with that. You know, one, and, you know, yeah, correct. And so I mean, you know. DJ will continue to adapt as a recruiter. To me, that's a great sign, and that's a big reason why Jeremy needs to pony up and pay the man. Because I mean, you know, he's going to have some options. He's already, you know, gotten calls, and it, it's just smart to, you know, keep a guy that you know really showing this kind of promise as a, as a year two recruiter, much like Niedermeyer, who a year ago in year one on the field did what he did. I mean, that that's two really solid recruiters that are just learning how to do it at this level. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I think that those are some positive signs. I think the other positive sign is that you see the benefit of continuity, okay, because you, you had a chance yep. to, to recruit the entire year. You don't have a big – I mean, I know they had some turnover last year with, with Jim Chaney and everything, but you still had relationships in place with a lot of guys, which was important for them. And I think it's those relationships that when you look back on this thing – that's really intriguing from the standpoint of now that the season's over, the class is signed, I'm, I'm still surprised they did not lose more guys in September, first part of October, <laughs> yeah, when this no thing doubt. looked like one in six. Aren't, aren't you guys surprised that they didn't have some public decommits and some guys? I know, look, I know Callaway had options, and I know some other guys had options and talked to some schools, maybe took a visit here or there. Keyson Lawrence got a little bit, you know, publicly squirrely there a little bit. But are you, I'm, I'm really surprised they didn't lose anybody of note, you know, during that stretch when it was 
losing to Georgia State, losing to BYU, and things weren't going well. Yeah, because BJ waited to decommit all the way until about Halloween. You know, he stuck right. he stuck it through all the way in, until I think it was like the twenty seventh or twenty eighth of October. So I, I'm in agreement with there. This class had its had its typical turnover. You know, I think it was ten decommitments. Um, some they you know were, were just fine with. You know. Uh, the Lovey Jenkinses and, and, and the Art Greens, but some there was the you know the B.J. Ojolaris and the, and the Mordecai McDaniels and Christian Stories that you know they 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 would have liked to end up in this class, and that's just kind of the way recruiting works these days with, with the with the early signing period and kids making decisions so much quicker than, than normal. But to your point, I mean, I you know they were able to kind of tread water long enough with the guys they had, and it helped, I think, frankly that. A lot of those guys were either in the boat early, or they were a Dominique Bailey who they had pretty much shut it down, uh, or, or they were you know in-state guys like Cooper Mays and those guys that were going to kind of stay loyal no matter what. Yeah, I, I, that, that, you're right. That, I mean, they got to help there. I think they did a good job, Austin, continuing to communicate with those guys yeah. and say, hey, you know, we're coming, watch us. And, and, and look, they benefited from the fact that what they were telling them was going to happen actually ended up happening, and they won games down the stretch. They won down the down the stretch, and they did so with some young kids that were in last year's class, and and those guys, and they, and all, you know, another wise move was letting some of those young guys talk. I mean, letting Henry talk, letting Quavaris Crouch talk, letting Wanye talk, and letting those recruits who you know know those guys because they're just a cycle ahead of them hear their voice and talk about you know, hey, you know, what they told me is is true, you know. You know everything that I was told in recruiting, you know, has come true to this point. You know, yada yada yada, and and I think that resonates because again, Eric Gray knows the kids at Whitehaven, knows Amari Thomas, Jabari Small. So when you know when he talks and they see stuff he said, and he's backing up the Tennessee what the Tennessee coaches are saying to them behind the scenes in recruiting, then it resonates. Yeah. Well, look, you had you had a couple kids tweet out just today about how impressed they were with what Tennessee did on, on signing day with their presentation on signing day. I mean, you, you had a couple of Whitehaven kids mentioning, you know, how, how, how clean that was. I mean, some of those things may seem... Um, Look at Hubs throwing out the lingo. How clean that was. Well, I mean, <laughs> sorry. But, I mean, it's one... Well, Davis French tweeting about it being fresh. <laughs> but it, can, it's, can you know... you say so fresh and so clean? No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not singing for you. Um, but it's little but things right, like and that. that. Was it's smart little by things Tennessee. like that that you, you don't think about. But it does have some of that stuff for some kids does have an impact. I mean, having having Charles Davis, the voice of Madden, talking about a, a prospect, a signee at Tennessee, is carries weight with some kids. That's 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 a cool thing for some kids. Yeah, I mean, it's an it's an added flash. It's an right. added flair. It's 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 much like the. Uh, you know, facilities war where that's not it's not it doesn't completely may be like the end all be all decision made, but it could tip the scales. All right, let's talk about moving forward with this class. Looking forward, they got four spots left, right? Yep. Okay, so we know this staff continues to recruit and continues to evaluate. You're going to have something on this coming up uh, this weekend, Jesse. But what we, we know, Jay Hardy, we know D Beckwith. Okay, they'd take those two and run right now and be as as elated as they could be. And they feel like they're and they feel like they're in a pretty good spot with D Beckwith going into the new year. And the fact that Hardy again, as of this podcast, has decided not to sign and is likely not going to sign 
you know, Austin said it. You know that they're, 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 he's he's that's an open invitation. He switched I, the the light to green for Tennessee to come recruit. The one thing that makes things hard for anybody that's going to try to get involved with Jay in January it's is basketball. the fact. Well, basketball, but it's also the fact he he you know he would have to pay his own dime to go wherever you know. And the ground maybe like. But that's why it's easy for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, short drive to Chattanooga. Right. Yeah, and well, he could drive to Auburn. But you're saying visit-wise, his official visits have been huge. Exhausted. So I mean, he can't he can't go on an official. D Beckwith, that one's going to get dicey. I mean, like that one will have 50 rumors on it. He'll take visits. Right now, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee. Those are the top three. And he hasn't taken any officials yet, right? I don't believe so. Yeah, I, and, and I think and that's going to be the deal. But Tennessee is going to have Tennessee, Florida. Those I three think they're going to get the last there. visit, too. And those three schools are going to be there because of the whole basketball, football combo deal that all three of those schools uh, are, are, are currently offering. But it, it starts with them. We'll see what obviously happens with Darnell Washington. Um, I mentioned Wren. Yeah, I the, mentioned the, the, the Amos kid. The Amos kid. I mean, a lot of these guys were in the war room. We had, you know, AP put it out there, you know, on signing day. I know he was a top 100 player. I'm not sure that Tennessee's interested in the Clowney kid who's teammates with Don Bailey. But perhaps they'll give him – perhaps they'll kick the tires there. They're going to kick the tires. Uh, and maybe it's more, you know, the kid likes Tennessee more than Tennessee likes him. But in terms of offensive linemen, Jalen St. John's, former Missouri commit, is probably going to take a visit here. Yeah, you know, the 18th, does, I think. Yeah, does Tennessee push in January? We'll see. Um, Kyrie Miller's doesn't. I don't know that. The, I don't think he ends up here, but that one's probably not completely not completely done, done at this point. At that the one, same time, that one may be dependent on if another off if they like a different offensive lineman better. I or think, or I if they the decide other, to take another, they may not take. Another well, I think that's lineman. the other question that you're setting here. Now that they've got time to breathe and relax, you know, over the the the, the dead period here. What what's the priority? What's the position priority? What what, what are they all looking for? You well, know, I, you know, in an offensive lineman, they may look the gra- or the uh, the transfer route. You know, if if if, if that's available. Well, do you keep do you keep one for a transfer? I would. I think it depends on the best or, available player. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't just take a kid to take a kid. But, but would you? But would you sign twenty four and hold a spot for a grad transfer? So I I would say I would. No, I would if you feel like. You like the four guys or five guys that are willing to commit to you. I would not just save a spot to potentially see who's out there in the okay. spring. But if you're tepid, or if your if your staff is a little bit split on, you know, take which whether you do we take another cornerback like Appiah or, or Amos, or do we want to wait? Because I do think this class probably needs another corner. But if they're not crazy about those two guys, now I think they you know they like they kind of like them, but. You know that could be a position too, along with offensive line that they wait, or or maybe you know they could they could just hold a spot and say best available grad transfer. The what? Yeah, the one thing that's interesting. Or just transfer. That, 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 See, I don't know why they would do that though. I, I don't. Know unless why you I think would. a kid can win an appeal. Yes. Unless you think you gotta, the kid's got to be a pretty darn to. confident because this. We don't That's, know. It depends. Yeah. If you send it in early, it seems no. like the NCAA likes it. Then they kind of clamp down <laughs> later in the year, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's no rhyme. It, there is no rhyme or reason to any governing body in sport. Okay, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to the decisions that they make. What, what are the positions though that we're talking about? I mean, D Beckwith could play. He play either side, either side he, of the ball, he, right? He could play wide receiver. He could play tight end. Okay, so he could play either side but of the you're ball. Probably are putting him at tight end if you're not getting Darnell. Okay, he's probably going to start his career there. You yeah. got you got you got the the Ren kid. 
who can run. And he's can, a jitterbug. He can bug. really run. Is, is he Isaiah McKenzie? Is he kind of somebody like that? Yes, but player? probably a little quicker, but or a little faster. Excuse me, but not. But probably doesn't have quite the the, the moves. Okay. But he's, isn't he a little bigger than McKenzie? McKenzie was tiny, tiny, but all the moves. Ren's only about five eight, five yeah. nine. Yeah, okay. Ren's, Ren's yeah. a little, but but the, I think his straight line speeds bet is a little bit better than than the, Isaiah's. But I don't know if he has quite the jitter. All right, so you got those two those two receiver types could you know yes. weapons in your offensive game. You, you got the kid in Rock Hill, South Carolina. That I don't know if Tennessee will do anything with there with him or not. The uh, the big receiver over there, different type of player. Um, that you know, I know Tennessee's had a conversation with him. Uh, some other schools, I think uh, he did not sign with Charlotte, where he's been committed to. Chris Dr- Chris Abrams, Chris Drain Abrams, is that his name? Chris Drain. Yeah, I don't see Tennessee. Tennessee's not going to go back down that road, right? I don't no, but but, no. but there's three offensive weapons. Do, do we think of the spots left? That they're, they're going to take another offensive weapon because they seem to be, you know, more not, of those potential not guys. Ca- you're saying not counting Beckwith, then I would say yes. Well, counting in Beck- addition counting. to Beckwith, right? Yes, in addition to Beckwith, if you miss on Washington, I still think they want another playmaker. Okay, I got you. Um, all right, so let, let's let's talk about just kind of. I told Austin we would do this a little bit as as we wrap up the recruiting part. We'll hit a little team news here uh, before we close out the podcast. When you think back on this class and you think back on the trips you guys made, camps you went to, state tours, press conferences you attended, conversations you have, what, what, do you, what are you going to remember about this, this class the most? I know they're not done, but what, what's going to be the one or two stories, one or two things that you'll remember about this class the most? Jay Hardy's commitment video. <laughs> that, that one might get run before it's all said and done. I mean, is, is there a kid that, that – Left a bigger impression on you? Was is there something that you'll remember back about this class? You know, a highlight for you, a low light for you, a, a relationship, something that stood out. You go, ah, I really like that guy. Well, he came here, he didn't come here. Well, I mean, I think all the Memphis kids. I mean, you know, Jesse and I met those kids. You know, coming out, what was you know, Jesse just started Volquest at the time. We was our first state tour together, and Bryson Easton had just won the state MVP of the state championship game as a freshman. It was the it was the spring of his freshman year, Um, and so like, you know, you go back to then. That was his very first interview. He'd never done an interview before. Yeah. So I mean, like, wow. What did he look? I mean, size wise, he was probably what. 35, 40 pounds lighter. Oh yeah, every yeah. bit of it. Maybe 50. He still looked lighter. good. He still looked good, and he still had he still had that James Earl Jones voice thing going on. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, the Memphis kids. I would say, uh, and he doesn't do a lot of media, um, but we have been around him many times at these events and stuff. But Harrison Bailey's kind of maturation and transformation, I think, from when we first met him a couple of years ago to to how he is now. Um, that, that kind of stands out. I, I know it, Tennessee fans finally got the good news uh, yesterday, but it it took a long it took a long time. It, 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 I think it's going to be terrible how long the Tyler Barron. Tyler Barron <laughs> told me he was in this class like sixty four times. <laughs> I'm doing it this day. Okay, that day comes, we're pushing it back. Are you still in? Oh yeah, I'm still in. The I summer, was at my my my, my wife's my became. my wife's grandmother called. And or my no, sorry, my wife's grandmother passed away. Tyler called me when I was at the funeral up in Pennsylvania. That was two days after the Kentucky game, and he's like, "It's done." Okay, when you, I'm gonna do it on signing day. 
that's when he knew. I know he said Monday night. Right. But I mean, he knew then. He got he went through the Kentucky, you know, visit up there for the Tennessee Kentucky game. He liked Kentucky. He liked their staff. I mean, you know, his mom liked Kentucky a lot. You know, obviously dad was here and uh at the end, you know, I, I did find it funny that uh, Coach Morrow at Kentucky was kind of taking some bail shots about negative recruiting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in reality, no, nothing, nothing, nothing cries like this out. And this is this is for if it happens with folks that work here. Not, nothing makes me laugh or makes me eye roll more is when people bellyache about stuff that they're doing that everyone else is doing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right. Per, per, partic- particularly in this league. Yeah, partic- yes. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. it, there, there's a little bit more of a, I don't want to say a gentleman's code, but maybe that's the best way, a little bit more of a gentleman's agreement code in the Big Ten, you know, in some other places that you kind of. But then Urban went in there and ruffled right. and, and he and, and that's what made everybody in the Big Ten mad was because yeah. he brought an SEC mentality right, into exactly. it. exactly. I mean, all that happens in the SEC when a kid commits is everybody recruits that kid harder. Yeah, I mean, look at look at how the rivals' rankings finished. Tennessee would have the number one class in the Pac-12, the number one class or the number two class behind Oklahoma in the Big 12. They're seventh or eighth in the SEC. Number two in the in the in the in the ACC, right? Right. Behind Clemson, number yeah, two number so, yeah. number two in the Big Ten behind Ohio State. Yes, and they're, but they're and they're seven, middle of the they're pack. Seventh in the out of nine, they're ninth. They're 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 seventh in the SEC and they're ninth. The only two teams ahead of them are yeah. Clemson and, and, and Ohio that's State. Should, and, but that, so they would actually have the number one class in the Big Twelve. So the point is that it's just yeah, because I guess so. I think Oklahoma probably will pass them with, with some guys they're supposed to get in 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 February. But yes, you're you're right. At, so that, that stands my, right now. My point is just that just saying this it, that's how competitive the SEC is, and that's why when people bellyache about all the stuff that happens in this league. Recruiting wise, every it's it. I just roll my eyes because it, it's you know, Tennessee has better cards than Kentucky, but you know everyone's doing the same thing. Oh, uh, yeah. and that's why I think it's funny the, the Morrow guy. I mean, well, you know, he's, the, throwing, he's throwing stones in a glass house that I know he negative recruited. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so I mean, like, come on. That's what I'm saying. But that's, <laughs> that's how it is everywhere. That's yeah, but I mean, no, so but, okay, I, I, you know, there are people on this staff, and I've heard them talk about you know other staffs. And there are people in other staffs, and I've heard them talk about this staff, but they don't do it in public, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's and what that's, he did, right? I mean, which it, is the comedy of it. Yeah, I mean, correct. It's, it's just the comedy of the fact, like, really, like you're going to bring that up public? Like, sure, sure. There's negative recruiting. It's called recruiting. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean Dan, Mullen, Dan Mullen is is notorious for kind of sticking his foot in his mouth in this in this instance as well. Yeah, I I, I think the one I guess the one story that'll come out will. Surprised me a little, and he may not ever end up in this class. Is just how out of the blue the Kyrie Miller thing was. You, you know what I mean? That you knew Tennessee was kind of evaluating, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I'm committed." And you're like, "Huh?" Well, oh, and, no, and, no, as no, that's it. The staff didn't know he was committed. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe that's why I mean, that like, was a shock. There, you know, because I remember calling. But then the staff was worried about him getting his huddle tape out, scared that they. they yeah. that, as good as this, they are talking about behind the scenes stuff. There is the staff can be extremely fickle with some of their. <laughs> Like when they took Jamari, Jamari Butler, Butler, two weeks later they cut him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, but Tim Martin's like, "What the heck, guys? <laughs> <laughs> that was my dude." <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting to see how a class comes together, kind of the the anatomy of it, and you know, you go back to Jimmy Callaway when he committed. Everybody went, "Who?" You know, and then at the end, that's that's a good eval that they're having to hold on to because all these other schools have have come after them, and then there's guys that they got that 
everybody in the country wanted, you know, and uh, it's just, it's kind of, it's a story, uh, a book within itself in, in terms of assembling a class that's pretty fascinating. Uh, all right, let's, um, let's jump to this current team real quick, finishing up some fundamental stuff, pretty normal on the practice field for this team. Um, anything jump out about this team's prep for, for Indiana? I kind of like the way they've done it and just, you know, turnover circuit, they've kind of made it entertaining and, and kind of gone back to some basic stuff you know, focused on some individuals, but they haven't, you know, they, they haven't made it all about the young people either. I mean, they're continuing to get the Nigel Warriors and those guys the amount of work they need as well. In individual time. Right. Now, when they went team, it's been a lot, a lot of the young guys. Sure, because you don't want anybody work. to get hurt. Yeah, correct. You know. So, I mean, like, you're talking about, you know. And they're the, down linemen, you know, too. they, they got to be careful with the offense. Well, and I think that's the biggest storyline as this team breaks because I don't, I don't expect Brandon Kennedy to be able to play in the bowl game, as we noted in, in the war room. I know they're going to reevaluate that, but I think that would be a surprise to everybody uh, if he played. So how does Carvin handle the center position? How we do saw they... Locklear getting first-team reps on Thursday. Does that continue? You know, because they could decide that they maybe they like Carvin at guard still. You know, right. that that so... and Locklear at center. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, so that to me is the biggest storyline going in. I mean, you, you want to keep everybody healthy, but how does that offensive line shake out? What kind of continuity do they have at that center position? Um, and what can they generate in a short period of time. Tennessee uh, will practice over the weekend, no media access. They break for Christmas. They actually come back to Knoxville, practice a couple of days, and then go to Jacksonville. It's kind of a short stay in Jacksonville. It's not your typical bowl prep down there where you're down there, you know, seven or eight days. You kind of get down there and get ready to play, which I think some people like about that bowl. They don't make you do as much stuff as some of the other bowls do. So we'll have uh, bowl coverage you know, team coverage throughout. Uh, we got kind of an awards deal coming out on Christmas Day. We'll have another podcast for you on Christmas Eve. We'll continue to talk about this basketball team. We'll do a little mailbag work for you on the podcast next week as well. Uh, but again, continued recruiting coverage as Tennessee's got room left and, you know, continue to evaluate people, continued football coverage as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price, Jesse Simonton, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.